You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today, I think we all learned that if I give you the injury report and then give you my interpretation of what that means, that I will jinx everything. And the exact opposite is going to happen. So we will try to fix that problem today. Um, yesterday I mentioned it's not looking good for Aaron Jones, but it is looking good for Christian Watson. And then today, or yesterday, I guess, Aaron Jones out there practicing, ready to rock and roll. Christian Watson, nah, I guess, I guess never mind. He shouldn't be practicing. So here is my assessment of the new injury report. Nobody's going to play. Everybody's hurt. Nobody's going to play. Nobody will be back tomorrow. Nobody's going to play in this game. Okay. You hear that universe? Anyways, official injury report, David Bakhtiari, again, not worth mentioning. He's not going to practice. Doesn't mean he's not playing. Doesn't mean he is. Rashawn Gary, knee injury has been limited all week, but still going strong. Elton Jenkins didn't practice. Don't expect him to. Not sure his status. Probably going to be a few weeks. Aaron Jones, again, back to practice. Not going to say it's good news. Not going to say anything. In fact, the only thing I'm going to say is he's not playing. So there you go. Lucas Van Ness continues to be limited. Christian Watson went from limited to didn't practice. And then our punter is fine. Daniel Whelan popped up, or excuse me, uh, Zane Anderson popped up with a hamstring injury, which, you know, everybody's asking questions about the hamstrings. Seems to be a problem in Green Bay. And I thought, yeah, it's like two, but they continue to happen. And now we got another hamstring injury. So I don't know. You, you, you have whatever theories you want. I no longer have any interest in arguing against it because it just keeps happening. Although I don't know that that could be anything other than either a coincidence or, again, it could very well just be that the Packers are trying to push it harder this year and it's backfiring a bit. Don't know. That's for them to figure out, and uh, we'll go from there. As for um, the Saints, it's really looking like it's just Jamal Williams, and, uh, again, he's not going to be playing this week, so nothing else to see there. Um, the only Bears update that I'm going to give today is that I, I just, it's its actually unfortunate that things are as bad as they are because I, I, for the first time in a long time, I woke up today and I mean, th- there is just so much material to work with and I just don't want to use it. I mean, we have officially crossed into, it's not even fun anymore territory, which I'm sure you guys have been there for a while, but for me to get there, like I'm sitting here like looking at Vikings fans, like you freaking bunch of jerks. Like I'm, I, I, I need another target. Cause it's just getting sad. Like I, I, I'm to the point. I don't, I don't even want to talk about Fields anymore because I just feel bad for the guy. Now, some of the other people that have been running their mouth about how great he is, maybe. But um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's as bad as, um, as things can be. Their, their uh, defensive coordinator resigned. I don't really want to even delve into that. I don't know anything about it. He just resigned. There are other reports. I'm not even going to report on them because. People are saying they're not true, and it's 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 got nothing to do with football, so it's got nothing to do with me. Um, boy, what else? Oh, Justin Fields blamed his coaches for things, and then got mad at reporters for saying they took his words out of context by reporting that he threw his coaches under the bus because that's literally what he did, and he even apologized to his coaches for it, which is weird because if they took your words out of context, why would you apologize for something you didn't do? I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And some people are all galvanized, like, man, he when he called the reporters back in, he looked fired up. No, he looks pissed, and he looks rattled, and the whole organization looks rattled, and it's just kind of ugly. Like, it, it's gotten to the point where the football is so bad that it really feels like, I mean, you, you borderline want to just be like, you know what, why don't you guys forfeit the year and just just stop? Because this is becoming unhealthy, like, seriously. 
for everybody. This is this is going to get bad. I can't. I, 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 if you would have asked me, I never could have envisioned a scenario in which things are so bad that I kind of wish they weren't even so bad. Like I want them to be bad, but this is like this is this is freaking brutal. Like, can't you just lose? You know, but I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I guess I begged for Bears fans to be broken because they deserved it because they ran their mouth and they needed to see reality and you got to break them in order to see the truth and they see it. But it's like, I didn't mean to break the lives of everybody on the Chicago Bears, man. I That's not, wasn't my intent. I just wanted Bears fans to know what was real. That's all. Like, this is crazy. So I don't know, man. I mean, and, and listen, listen, the Bears could... Could I, I almost said win the division? Let's not be crazy, but they could they could pull out of this a little bit. Like you know, let, look at it. The uh, they're not going to beat the Chiefs. Who the heck was it? JJ sent me this. Uh, K K K K K Adams. She said she could see the Bears beating the Chiefs. Like that, okay, that's freaking stupid. This is going to get snipped if they somehow win this game. By the way, uh, that, pending some kind of serious injuries and Justin Fields runs for seven hundred yards and two touchdowns, it's not going to happen. But, you know, I mean, the Packers could lose and go to 1-2. and two. The Vikings could certainly lose. It's kind of a coin flip in that game. They could go to 0-3. And, and the Lions could lose. And if the Bears, well, again, they're not going to. The point is, it's, it's not going to take a, a, too many wins for them to start climbing the ranks here. I'm just saying, I don't freaking know, man. I don't know. I just, I, I did not. I can't even claim that I was right on this issue, to be completely fair. To some degree, I was right, but I didn't see it being this bad. Freaking crazy. Speaking of, I want to take a quick gander at the NFC North just to kind of see how the competition is looking. Um, I've been I've been using uh, DVOA a little bit. Looked uh, yesterday a little bit at the Saints and the Packers to kind of come to the score prediction, and I'll give you my score predictions for the rest of the NFC North today because why not? since we're going to be talking about them and we're going to be using this. I actually reached out to uh, Aaron Schatz, who developed DVOA, and he was kind enough to respond to me, which was uh, very cool of him, uh, just to kind of get some clarification on things, because a lot of people are like, you can't use DVOA, it's too early, and to some degree that's fair. But I still like it, because DVOA is just taking the information and then adding in the context of, yeah, but you played this team. The only problem is we don't really know about that team, but it still attempts to do it, whereas every other stat makes no attempt. So at least we're adding some level or some layer of context, even if it's not 100% correct. In my opinion, it's better than no context. And so one of the things he pointed me to, which makes sense, is to just use the Dave rankings. And and Dave is, we're, we're looking at what the team was last year, we're looking at what the team has done this year, and then we're, we're also looking at, you know, projections for what this year was based on, you know, all the hype and everything. And of course, those projections are largely largely based on 2022 also. But anyways, based on that, here are the, let, let me just read you, the, I might as well read you the, the 32 teams in the NFL. Surprising, I didn't even look at this. I was surprised to see Chicago is not dead last, but obviously they're very close. Number one is Dallas, kind of sneakily playing, just freaking out of their mind. They had a devastating loss to, uh, what's his name, Trayvon Diggs, the, the corner. That is a pretty big loss. I've always said he's kind of overrated, but he's still a major part of that defense. That's a big loss. We'll see to what, and I don't think anyone necessarily expects Dallas to maintain that level of play. I honestly haven't even really been paying attention to what's working and how it's working outside of the fact that they're just dominating people. But I have to assume that the expectation is they come back down to earth. Number two is the Buffalo Bills, despite their terrible loss week one. Uh, San Francisco, then it's the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Ravens, Miami, uh, Cleveland, and then the Packers. So the number one NFC North team, according to technically DVOA right now, the ninth best team in football, um, is the Green Bay Packers. After that, and, and let's look at it here. First of all, total Dave DVOA whatever is five point eight percent, so about six percent better than your average team. Special teams is 06 percent better. Defense, 1.4% better than average. Offense, 3.8% better than average. So none of that is like elite, but it's all better than average. Then it's the Lions coming in at number 10. Then you got the Chargers, the Saints. So going to be our toughest test. Then the Jaguars, the Eagles. And you can say, well, the Saints are better than the Eagles. But again, I still kind of think this is a better matchup for us. I could be wrong because the defense is tougher. 
although maybe not by as big of a margin as we would expect. In fact, let's see what are the, uh, well, they, they by DVOA, Saints are significantly better, but just from a defensive, from our defensive standpoint, much better situation. Then it's Bengals, Washington, Steelers, Seahawks, Patriots, Broncos, uh, Raiders, Buccaneers, Jets, and then we got the Vikings finally all the way down here at 24th, which is absolutely brutal. I still think that they're going to bounce back. Not talking about like, you know, 13 win status, because that's never what they were. But this whole 0-2 thing I still think is kind of fake. Then it's the Rams, the Titans, the Colts, the Giants, the Carolina Panthers, the Arizona Cardinals, then the Chicago Bears at 31st. Offense is 10.4% worse than average. Defense, 11% worse. Overall, 20.6% worse than your average football team. The Texans, though, the Texans, they still have worse. In fact, uh, 20.6% worse for the Bears, 22.5% for the Texans. So a decent step away. So that's how they have it currently ranked. As a result of that, kind of look... So I, I did a couple different things. Yesterday, I had talked to you about sort of my method of trying to come up with score predictions. And it was, I'm a little torn because usually what I do is I use point totals and DVOA to kind of come up with score totals. But since it's early in the year, I went with just last year's data. For this week, I did last year and this year. But then today, I decided to take a little bit, a little step further since Aaron told me to use the Dave rankings. And so I have 2022, 2023, and then the Dave. And I might as well tell you what that is. It changed things slightly in the favor of Green Bay. So um, uh, as as I said before, Green Bay, based on 2022 data, is going to win by a little over three points. But based on 2023, just one about one and a half points. But if you look at 2023 using the Dave scores, it's 2.7 points. So that makes it a little bit better. So 2.7, 3.5, it's a win. Not a super comfortable win, but it's a win. Anyways, not going to go through all of these scores because we'll save that for later in the week. But just so we're clear, as far as Minnesota, based on the information that I have right now, I do actually have the Minnesota Vikings going to 0-3. And it's kind of crazy because the Chargers and the Vikings are both in similar situations where they're teams that, you know, the the Chargers are always kind of hyped for and they never meet expectations. The Vikings, everybody knew would fall off. I don't think they necessarily started thought of an 0-3 start. So both of these teams, it's kind of inconceivable that they would start 0-3, but here we are. I have them both as a very close game, but again, in both instances, I have either a one-point loss or a almost three-point loss for the Minnesota Vikings at home against the Chargers. And again, that that is primarily based on last year's data. So if, if, if the Vikings and Chargers played last year, I have the Chargers winning, and then this year, based on the Dave rankings, sort of the adjusted, like what we've seen so far this year, adjusted for who you've played, slash not reading too much into it, because here's what kind of what we expected to happen. Using that information, it's actually worse than it was last year. And last year, the Vikings sucked. Remember, DVOA hated the Vikings last year. So for them to say, last year, it's a one-point win for the Chargers, this year, it's a three-point win for the Chargers, that's pretty, that's pretty damning. So fingers crossed on that one, because that would be fantastic to see the Vikings go to 0-3. Also provides us a little bit more cushion. Not that that's necessarily how you want to win. You want to win by winning, but you know what? I'll take it. If we win eight games and limp in because we won the division that way, everybody will be mad at us and hate us. But you know what? I don't care. We We win the division. We get the bragging rights. We get a little bit of experience with these guys going into the playoffs and maybe a shred of hope that we can do something with it. At the end of the day, they're a rival. Screw them. Go to 0-3 because that's what you deserve. Not really, but, you know, it's, it's what you say as a Packer fan. I don't know. It's what I say as a Packer fan. You do whatever you want. By the way, I might as well give you tomorrow's score because I'm not going to be able to give you that any other time. Either way, I have San Francisco blowing them out. The two different scores, and, and part of this is going to be just me tracking which one is most reliable. But I have a 12-point win by the 49ers. It's 29-16. to 16, And a 20-point win, 34-14. to 14. So you've already probably seen the score. You know if that's stupid or what. And then what else do we got here? Um, Chicago, Kansas City, not surprisingly, uh, Kansas City should win that game. I mean, that's at Arrowhead. As far as I know, they're healthy. They got their guys back. The Lions caught them with their pants down with the injuries and the and whatnot and the holdout. But you got the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been off to a slow start. They they really have, and that's part of the reason why it's actually only about a thirteen-ish point win that I have. I say only based on 2023 as opposed to about a 16-point win based on uh, last year. 
because the Chiefs have gotten off to a slow start, only 18.5 points per game. But even still, they should absolutely stomp them out again. I got a 13-point win over here and a 15.5, call it 16-point win over there. The Bears should be going to 0-3. So as of right now, if this holds up, I have the Packers winning and going two and one. This is not just a bias like this is how my my feelings feel. This is I'm I'm using math and I just plug in numbers and then whatever comes out comes out. Based on this, Packers go to two and one, Vikings and Bears go to 0 and three. One of the biggest ones here that's gonna be the most interesting, especially for me and in, in these little experiments I'm running about trying to get some uh you know using the right numbers is gonna be this Detroit and Atlanta game. Based on last year, and a big part of this is because Detroit's at home, and they were dominant at home last year. They averaged 33.1 points per game at home, and also because the Falcons were garbage last year, especially on the road, they averaged 17.6 points per game. So just based on that information, on top of you know everything else, I have Detroit winning by nine points, just stomping out Atlanta. But that's last year. This year, which you know Detroit's still doing fairly well, they're averaging 26 points per game. They have their first... I mean, they, they, they played their first game at home and they lost, which is not the greatest thing. Atlanta certainly seems improved. They're averaging 24.5 points per game. I actually have, based on the newer rankings, Atlanta beating Detroit uh, by five points, 26 to 21. So if we just use the, the Dave rankings, Atlanta beats Detroit 26-21. Green Bay beats New Orleans 23 to 20, I guess we could call it, rounding up. The Chargers beat Minnesota 31-28, 30-27, whatever. And Kansas City beats Chicago 29-16. Now, obviously, you know, I, I wouldn't put money on that as far as, you know, a parlay. The odds of all of those hitting are low, but it is a good sign. And it would be freaking fantastic. And I can't even imagine how great things would be if that happened. I mean, first of all, the positive press for Green Bay would be through the roof. New Orleans is a, is a tough task, especially with that defense. They're now number one in the division. Everybody's going to be on the Green Bay bandwagon. Detroit Lions will have lost two home games in a row and will be in a complete and utter death spiral. Vikings fans will be 0-3 and will be in a complete and utter death spiral. The Chicago Bears, I don't know what's below a death spiral. I have no idea, but that's where they're going to be. I mean, seriously, the if 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 by any chance the Lions for, forget the Packers, even if the Packers lose, if if all four teams in the NFC North lose again, I don't know how Packer fans are going to react. Probably not going to be super great. That's a given, right? And and to some degree for good reason. I mean, you you lost two games in a row. You lost your home game. You're one and two. It's not a great start. But without a doubt, Lions fans, Vikings fans, and Bears fans are going to absolutely implode. And you can do that on an individual basis. If any one of those three teams lose, they're going to absolutely start to lose their minds. And obviously, well, here's the thing. The most obvious one is going to be the Bears, and they're the ones that are going to implode the least because, I mean, that's kind of expected. But it's going to be real ugly. Now you're now you're at 0-3, and um, I'm sure you're going to have more bad tape about Justin Fields. And that's the other thing. Like That's the one thing that they're kind of hanging their hat on with Justin Fields is he says he's going to just start playing his game, stop listening to the coaches. There's a glimmer of hope for them to to regain some of their sanity if they lose, but Justin Fields runs for like 150 yards. You know what I mean? Like they'll be like, "Yeah, put the team on his back." Like they lost and it sucks, but whatever. But if if he tries to play his game and it's just worse, you know, like still nothing works, and he's you know dropping his eyes even faster because he wants to run now, and now there's even less passing because his passing, I mean, statistically is has been better. And DJ Moore is actually cracked 100 yards last week. If he starts dropping his eyes, now DJ Moore's not going to get the ball, and he's going to be open more, and he's going to start getting ticked. So if you really want to play that game, go for it, but I don't know if that's going to go very well for you. But yeah, as far as Minnesota and Detroit, it is, it is, uh, it's nuclear at this point. Chicago went nuclear last week, right? Losing to the Packers was brutal. Like, that broke 75% of the fan base. Then losing to Tampa, nuclear. Game over. That's where Detroit and Minnesota will be if they lose these games. And I think they're both going to be relatively close. You know, I mean, again, on, on for one game, Detroit, I have, on in one instance, Detroit beats the living daylights out of Atlanta. It, I think it comes down to, well, a couple factors. Number one, Atlanta seems to be better than they were than, than last year. So I think just relying on what Atlanta was last year. In fact, what if I just plug in their DVOA for this year? 
Yeah, it doesn't change a ton. It's just, it's a six-point win for Detroit. The biggest thing is, is Detroit going to get their swagger back at home? Like, are they going to be that point, you know, 33 points per game at home? Just psychotic stuff. That's what they have to get back to. If they don't, I think Atlanta wins a game. They got a terrible defense. Atlanta got some swagger last week. They figured out some stuff. And remember, all that stuff we were worried about, that's Detroit's problem now. Bijan Robinson, what is Detroit going to do to stop Bijan Robinson? They don't have any answers for that. They can't stop anybody. They suck. Drake London, good luck. Kyle Pitts, I mean, he's not. they're not throwing to him, but if they decide to, it would be a good option. On top of having a, a, a decently mobile quarterback, I mean, they're, they're motivated right now. And De- Detroit is kind of, I mean, the entire NFC North, with the exception maybe of the Packers, is just in a slump. The other three teams are just moping. Maybe, maybe not Minnesota, but kind of. Atlanta's fired up, man. They've been bad for a long time. They got some pieces now. Their coach, you can tell, man, he's, he is just, he's, he's getting twitchy. That dude is, is on it. He wants it bad. You could tell beating Green Bay was a big freaking deal for him. So I don't know, man. That's a wiry Falcons team. You know, they're a dome team coming into a dome, so they're familiar with it. That's their environment as well. I don't know, man. That'd be interesting. Anyways, why don't we take our first break? If you want to support this podcast directly, please feel free to do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can sign up for as little as $1 per month. If you're not into the month-to-month thing, uh, Venmo is Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I, I've been holding on to this for a while, and I wanted to look at it. I've, been, I've alluded to it a couple times. Um, SIS, as you know, Sports Info Solutions, they have a lot of good data out there. They did a research study, Matt Manicharian did. It's called The Effects of Turf on Injuries in the NFL. I want to go through some of the data they found because it's it's interesting insofar as I can't exactly reconcile it. Similar to the whole why does our defense underperform conundrum. But the the very baseline automatic assumption is, at least my understanding, is that on turf, your cleats kind of grip into it and they don't really slide out. So if there is force applied to your 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 bones, your leg, ligaments, whatever on grass, the grass will break first. On turf, your bone, your ligaments will break. And so they're saying, you know, that is sort of the common sense understanding. We've seen examples of this. Therefore, turf causes more injuries. Therefore, it's bad. Here are, I'm I'm just going to go through some of these charts here. NFL injuries by field type, 2017 to 2020, regular season only. Injuries per game on grass, five, which is shockingly high, but I guess guess that kind of makes sense. On turf, 5.4. Uh, people that left the field per game, 4.1 on grass, 4.5 on turf. So more on turf, right? Fair enough. Now, none of this is conclusive because there's a billion variables and you try to account for as many as you can. One of the things they tried to account for is the fact that some teams play on turf. And so it might be skewed based on, well, you know, which teams are playing a turf. If one team has more injuries, it could be more of a team thing than a turf thing. And since they play on turf, they're more likely to be hurt on turf. So they said, let's just look at it for away teams. Well, injuries per game on grass, 2.5. On turf, 2.8. Left the field, 2.1 for grass, 2.3 for turf. About the same, right? Increase on turf. All right, fair enough. Here's where things get weird. They wanted to look at specific injuries. Do you know where injuries spike the most on turf? It's not leg injuries. It's head injuries. They're, uh, head injuries are 18% higher on turf than they are on grass. Now, there may be reasons for that. 
And I have one potential theory outside of just stuff happens. But I was real surprised to find that head injuries were the number one increase over anything else. Because the big thing is always, you know, lower body extremity things. And 18% is well beyond what you would expect just in terms of random chance. Because there's, there's no reason to expect it to be exactly even, right? If you flip a coin a thousand times and 557 times it comes up heads, you wouldn't be like, whoa, somebody's, somebody's messing with me here. What, why is it not exact? You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be some variance in there. It's just you would expect it to be in that range. So there's a tolerance there. But 18% is well beyond that tolerance. The second highest is ankle and foot. Now, this would be things like Achilles, and we already understand this. This is exactly that thing where the turf does not give, and so you've got plant foot, you know, injuries. Plant your foot and it doesn't really give, and things can twist and turn, especially if you're getting hit. 10% increase. Now, it's not, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80%, but it is more. And again, when you're talking about about a thousand game sample size, 10% is 100 injuries. That's 100, you know, guys laying on the ground grabbing their ankles. That necessarily wouldn't happen. 9% increase in shoulder injuries and core injuries. Now, again, you look at this and go, man, my first thought when I saw this was, I don't know if I buy it. Core injuries? What the heck does... I mean, it, it, that, that has to be completely random. Then you've got three others. There is a 1% increase in arm and hand injuries. And then maybe the weirdest, there is a 1% decrease in upper leg and hip injuries and a 2% decrease in lower leg and knee injuries. There is a decrease in knee injuries. So that's very weird. However, the arm, hand, leg, hip, lower leg, knee are all within you know, call, let's say 5% roughly is, is acceptable tolerance. They're all basically about exactly even. But the, the thing that's weird to me isn't that it's a decrease, because we can just chalk that up to random chance. Let's say that it's exactly even. It's surprising that there are not more lower leg and knee injuries. So it seems to be a big impact on ankle and foot, but not as much on lower leg and knees, or even upper leg and hips, which, you know, you would relatively expect, I suppose. But maybe not, because if the give is just down at the bottom, you know, where the foot is, the, the one thing that's going to give would be the ankle, I suppose, and then above that it wouldn't necessarily apply? I don't know. I don't know. Going back, though, one of the things to keep in mind as far as, like, why some of these things, why head, why shoulder, core, I have no idea, why would those things be a thing? Apparently, um, turf is also a harder material. So there's a thing written here, it says, over time, especially without proper maintenance, artificial turf can become harder than natural grass. A harder surface can increase the risk of concussions and other impact-related injuries. So if it's a harder surface, you know, obviously, I mean, I can't really imagine that it has anything to do with, with you know, like shoulder-to-head or head-to-head contact. It You could maybe make a case that, you know, if your feet are sticking in the ground, you're getting some traction, maybe you're getting a little bit extra bang. But it probably has more to do with tackling guys on a more hard surface, creating you know, I mean, if there's less give, then there's going to be more of that brain bouncing off the skull effect. And since concussion, here's the thing. The selling point to the NFL, considering concussions are such a major thing, shouldn't be more people are hurting their, their, their Achilles. As much as Aaron Rodgers is a, is, a, is a big mover in the NFL and a big reason to, you know, for guys like J.C. Treader to look at this and be like, are you freaking kidding me? You just lost Aaron Rodgers over this. I think the bigger selling point is concussions. You talk a big game, you've paid a ton of money. We're talking almost a 20% increase in concussions on these fields. That's the selling point. That's not random chance. Another thing that was surprising to some, I guess, is there was an expectation that there's more non-contact injuries. I guess it's because you would expect that if you plant your foot and your body's still moving and your foot doesn't, there would be an injury there. There's actually a decrease in non-contact injuries on turf. It's 3%, so you could, again, chalk that up to just being random variance. But then there's a 6% increase when we're talking contact with the ground. So this is probably where we're dealing with concussions and things. You get tackled to the ground, bang your head hit, or your shoulder, for that matter. There's an increase in that, too. But then contact with player was an 11% increase. This is probably, you know, I mean, again, if this is the concussions, then I, I don't know. Other than the whole 
extra juice theory. But this is obviously where you're stuck in the ground and you get hit and, you know, part of your body moves, part of your body doesn't, and snap. So here was the conclusion that they found. And I'm really bringing this up because it's a major talking point. I've been talking about it. I've been asked about it numerous times. I've given an opinion that is an uninformed opinion. It's based on what I'm hearing, not based on anything else. And I figure it would be beneficial to all of us if, if we just looked at some data just to get a firm foundation. Now, if you, if you want to reject it, that's fine. If you have some other data, whatever. But at least you have this to help you form an opinion on what you think on this. Because again, it seems like everybody is talking about it. Final word here. The SIS injury database matched previous research on the topic of grass versus turf in that we have observed a clear increase in injuries per game in stadiums with turf in NFL games over the last four years. However, our findings did not match prior research. They, they talked about in the article, J.C. Treader came out, and, and let me read that real quick. Here's what J.C. Treader said, and this is, I think, what most people look at, because this was the statement from the NFLPA. He is the head of that or whatever. Specifically, players have a 28% higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries when playing on artificial turf. Of those non-contact injuries, players have a 32% higher rate of non-contact knee injuries on turf and a staggering 69% higher rate of non-contact foot-ankle injuries on turf compared to grass. That is massively higher than anything that was found in here, and they even went on to say that's not at all what we're seeing. So I don't know exactly. He went on to say that he's uh, it's a mix of practice and game data. So you know maybe it's just more data. I'm I'm not really sure, but it's it's obviously extremely high. And I think if if it turns out to be artificially inflated, that's going to hurt your case because I can tell you right now, 18% increase in concussions that alone should be enough to to move the needle. If you're talking 70%. Especially when you're saying non-contact, because again, according to this research, there is no increase in non-contact injuries. Anyways, continuing on. Instead, we found that injuries occurring because of contact between players were overwhelmingly what accounted for the increases in injuries. Somewhat concerningly, we saw an increase in head injuries on turf, so we will keep a close eye on how these trends continue to develop in the years to come. Now, they even went on to say there are some variants, you know, from year to year. This is just kind of an aggregate over four years. Some years these are high, some years these are lower. But again, this is a really good sample size. We're talking, I think it was 1,024 games. That's a pretty big number, especially when you're talking five injuries per game. That's a lot of injuries and a lot of data. Anyways, hope you found that at least somewhat uh, enlightening and illuminating. It does seem like turf uh, has an, an impact. What exactly that impact and how is somewhat disputed, but I, I, I think I would borderline say the NFLPA is doing itself a disservice by just focusing on one issue and maybe overinflating that issue by saying like 70% of non-contact knee injuries are on turf. It's like, I, I, I don't think that's true. And also you're, you're missing a lot of stuff. I'm telling you the home run hit. Bring the data that concussions are up almost 20%. Again, over a thousand games, we're talking 200 concussions. That's crazy. That's a lot. But whatever. Again, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll take one more break. We'll be right back. Another thing that I've been kind of holding on to for a little bit that I've been wanting to get to, but just haven't yet, uh, Tyler Dunn. I mean, if there's ever like a, a fun and exciting new expose that kind of breaks, it's usually Tyler Dunn and his uh, go long that, that does it. So he wrote an article. This was September 18th. So it's actually only three days ago. It feels like it's been holding on to it forever. But the title is just No Moral Victories. It says, Jordan Love played well again, but the horror show on defense returned. David Bakhtiari sat out and A.J. Dillon couldn't gain a yard. This 25-24 defeat will sting. Man, I usually hate when they do this. Like, just, just give me the number. Give me a graph to look at, whatever. But I appreciate the poetry in this writing here. I'm going to read the beginning of this. And it's cool be because I didn't know this either. This is kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. But it says, when Jordan Love laced his third touchdown of the day to give the Green Bay Packers a 12-point lead over the Atlanta Falcons, the man who drafted the quarterback jolted out of his second-row seat in the press box. Brian Gutekunst might have followed the same quarterback playbook as his predecessor, but he differs starkly in the game-day energy department. Ted Thompson, essentially a royal guard, merely blinked during games. Fist clinch, Gutekunst was a very happy man. The entire row of Packers front office members was giddy, and why not? This was a 10-yard strike made uh, made love. This 10-yard strike made love the fourth Packers quarterback to ever throw three touchdowns in each of his first three games of the season. Aaron Rodgers did it in 2013, which was his sixth season. Brett Favre did it in '96, his sixth season. Lynn Dickey in '83, his seventh. And there was love in season one before even taking Lambeau Field as a starter, making history. 
Gutekunst's master plan was coming together before his eyes inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now, it's all downhill from there, but that's a heck of an intro into the article. By the way, I saw... I wish I could find it. Let me give it the old college try. Maybe I bookmarked it or something. Anyways, kind of skipping ahead a little bit. They, they sort of recap, right? You know, Jordan Love, hey, he had three explosive plays, put up three touchdowns. You'd expect that to be enough. It's not. A.J. Dillon couldn't run. Defense couldn't stop anything, etc., etc. He goes on to say, Afterward, defensive, ta- defensive tackle Kenny Clark cut to the chase. Put it on us defensively, Clark said. We've got to be better. And we got a little bit from Luke Musgrave here talking about the offense in general. He says, obviously, we've got some great, uh, we've got a great staff, rookie tight end Luke Musgrave said after the loss. Matt is a genius. Explosive pass plays, explosive run plays. That's our identity, and we're physical. I like it because we're starting to see it. I don't know, and I don't want to necessarily dig back into it, but during the Aaron Rodgers thing, I don't remember really anybody saying Matt LaFleur is a genius. Maybe it's because when good things happen, we just said, hey, it's Aaron Rodgers. Now when good things happen, we say, well, we can't be this idiot quarterback. It must be the, the, the coach. I don't really know. But all of a sudden, it's like, man, he's doing a great job of scheming things open. What a great play call. What a brilliant call. I mean, suddenly he's like, and maybe it's that, that play callers thing that suddenly people realize like, oh yeah, Matt LaFleur is a part of that little group. He must be a genius now. We got to like look, gr- group him in with these other geniuses. I don't really know, but suddenly he's a genius. The six foot six six Musgrave was justifiably upbeat. He sees the start of something special, especially in love. Oh gosh, so excited for this team, Musgrave said, which I'm glad about. This is after the loss. And we've got a I'm gonna play something from Jaden Reed here as well in a little bit. But I'm glad that they're still an upbeat group. You know, they're young, they're hungry, they know what they can do, and they're ready to go out and get it. He goes on to say, obviously, we want to be as good as we can be this year, but yeah, so excited for the team. We got a bunch of young, talented guys. We got a great quarterback to lead us. I, could a- I couldn't ask for a better quarterback. Again, I've said it before. I love how much this team rallies around this quarterback. I really love it. It's an important component for this team. Musgrave goes on to say, he's a guy that tells what's wrong. He's not afraid to get after you and tell you what's wrong, especially as a rookie. But he doesn't take anything personal. He's not somebody who's going to not throw you the ball on the next play. And again, He's just a great quarterback, as the film shows. He puts the ball where he wants it. He's a great commander of the offense. I couldn't say enough about how fortunate I am to be with him. Now, there was a big hubbub about this being a shot at Rodgers. Musgrave wasn't here for Rodgers. I mean, you, you could go deep down the conspiracy hole and say, well, they, they, they were probably talking about him in the locker room, about how he wouldn't throw to you and how he doesn't... I don't know, man. I, I Maybe, but I don't see any reason to go down that path. I think he just said a thing. Uh, getting back to Kenny Clark here, a quote, it says, Clark was unable to pinpoint one specific problem. And, th- and this is, I-, I skipped a lot of it, but he's going through a lot of what I was saying. I mean, he's clearly pointing toward Barry, which again, it's hard not to, but he's more or less saying like, it's it's sort of the age old question going back several defensive coordinators here. Is it a coaching problem or a personnel problem? Anyways, here's from Clark. We've got to do a better job of having a sense of urgency to get lined up. Uh, they start doing a lot of different things, a lot of shifts, a lot of motions, but credit to them. They had a good football team and did a, a good job running the ball and the shifts and the motions. Kingsley and Igbare, a little bit further down, says, I'll edit it and say, shoot, we gave up too many plays in the second half. That's pretty much it. We gave up too many plays. They took advantage of it. Uh, we need to go back to the drawing board, watch the tape, and see what we need to correct and see what techniques that we need to fix and focus on. And again, this is the kind of thing that makes me and I think a lot of other Packer fans want to drive our head through the wall. Stop freaking saying the same thing over and over again because I'm tired of hearing it. I remember last year, Kenny Clark, in the middle of the season when things were bad, I think it was like after the second game, real early on, he's like, oh, it's going to be better. Next week, just watch. It'll be better. It wasn't better. It was garbage. It's the same thing over and over. We got to go back to the tape. We got to watch the tape. We got to clean it up. We got to do better. Bottom line, blah, blah, blah. Dude, shut up. Don't talk to me. Don't. You know what? No more Joe Barry interviews. No more defensive players after the game interviews. I don't want to hear it. Don't make them lie to me because it's freaking embarrassing. Stop making them lie to me. Stop making them say stupid things that mean nothing. Yeah, I don't know. We got we to we tackle and, you know, we, we, we just got to clean it up, man. We're going to clean it up. It's going to be great. Yeah, we'll just got to, you know, we know how to do it. We, we can do it. We're tough. We're strong. We're fast. We believe in ourselves. It's going to be great. No, no, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Just go do it. Go do it for five games and then and then talk to me about what we changed and why I can believe that this is going to continue. This is also why I said I don't want to hear it after the Saints game either because that's an expectation. You tee off on them. You did. You just did your job. It's not like, oh, yeah, we're back. Here we go. No, not back to nothing. That offense is garbage. Quay Walker said, it's just big boy football. You got to win your one-on-ones. You got to get off blocks, play football, hit the man with the ball. 
we didn't do a good enough job of that. Well, thank you for summarizing basic information. <laughs> it's like, like if the offense fails, like, yeah, you know, we got to... We got to take the snap under center. We got to throw the ball. We got to catch the ball. We got to run after we catch the ball. Try to get some yards after the catch. Got to score touchdowns. Got to got to run the ball. Sometimes between the tackles. Sometimes outside of the tackles. Got to uh, got to call plays. Other things that we do in football games. Got to kick and 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 punt, and kick field goals. Sell food at the concession stands. A lot of things we got to do. So. Does that help anything at all? No? Okay, great. Thank you. So, anyways, um, you know, I mean, again, the offense is kind of... Uh, if, if Musgrave is the uh, the, represent, the representative of the offense, the offense is feeling good. They feel happy about the way things are going, love the coach, love the play calling, love the guys around them. Then you talk to the defense, like, yeah, you know, you got to tackle. You got to study film and tackle, get off blocks. We didn't do that, and we got to do that. Wow, thank you. I feel like, you know, you have a place that you're renting and the guy hasn't paid rent in four years. And you're like, bro, I, I need the money. You owe me so much money. He's like, yeah, I know. I got I to gotta get it together, man. I, gotta, um, I got some stuff lined up. I got an interview. And uh, bottom line, I just I got to straighten out my life. Listen, you have said the same thing for years now. I don't want to hear about what you need to do. I don't need to hear about how you need to change your life. I don't give a crap anymore about your sob stories. I want money put in my hand. Don't talk to me ever again. Put a check in my hand. That's it. I don't ever want to hear anyone in the defense explain how defense works anymore. So what happened? Yeah, you know, you got to tackle. We just got to, we got to be better. We got to be better. Shut up. Just go do it. Speaking of, here's what we got from Joe Barry. Let me, let me just give you some highlights from uh, Joe Barry on how he's going to fix everything and make everything okay. Well, Rob, I mean, anytime you, when, when you lose in this league, it's hard. You know, um, we only have 17 opportunities. Um, we put, you know, tons of hours and you know six days of preparation into four hours on a you know a, a Sunday and uh it, it it sucks it's hard um every single one of those guys in that room they wouldn't be in that room if they weren't insane competitors so um Mondays are hard for all of us you know it, it takes me you know I'm not out of the tank after a loss until you know sometime on Tuesday but um you know, it's a long season. It's it's it absolutely stinks when you freaking lose. Um, but we sat and watched the tape, and we learned from it. And you know, we, we saw there there was a bu- there was a bunch of opportunities there where that game could have gone in d- different directions. Um, but bottom line, it's my job to put those guys in positions to make plays all the time. So um, we sat and we watched it and learned from it. And uh, Tell you what, the guys came in on Wednesday, and you know we've we've had two good days of work so far. But it's it's hard when you lose in this league. It's it's brutal. It hurts. Okay, so we learned how the schedule works. There's 17 games. We learned that it's hard when you lose. You get sad. Uh, everybody in there is an insane competitor. They learned a lot. They've grown, which is great and inspiring. If we hadn't heard that for three years, I mean, look, I I I. I I can't expect anybody to come up and be like, look, here is how we've changed and here's how like specifically we've decided to alter everything because you can't give the game plan away. I guess my issue is I've completely lost confidence and I don't think they actually know what to do. I'm sure that there were changes made in the offseason. They, they kind of alluded to it like, oh yeah, just keep an eye. Watch out. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to be... <laughs> and again, we might see it against the Saints. Alave is good, but I think he's a little bit more of a guy that Jair can handle as opposed to a big physical imposing Drake London who's going to you know push off and then catch passes because he's a freaking tight end and he kind of cheats a little bit. I'm not saying Olavi would be easy to cover. I'm not saying that at all. But in terms of stylistically, I think that's more of what Jair would prefer because they're similar. They're smaller, faster, shiftier guys, not just the big, massive brute types. So you get a little bit of manned up over there. Slot might be a little bit of a problem. Watch the two slot guys in this game because those are big matchup nightmares for both sides. But then just unleash the hounds, man. Great. But I just, I don't know. I just, I just have lost faith. We've been hearing the same crap over and over and over and over. Gotta watch tape. Didn't you watch tape last time? Didn't you watch tape in the offseason? Did you watch tape at all last year? 
Why is watching tape this time going to fix anything? What did you watch that's different? Like, what, what didn't you know? You didn't know you had to tackle him? You didn't know you're supposed to catch the interception? Like, what did you watch on tape? It's like, oh, I get it now. Guys, I get it. Do you get it? Like, well, we all get it. It's amazing. Oh, it all clicks now. Now I know I'm supposed to tackle him. Okay. See, I was... I thought the other thing... I don't know. I used to play hockey, and you didn't do that. So now I... Okay, right. Football tackle. Got it. Okay, good to go. Good to go. You just got beat. You got beat, bro. <laughs> Stop getting beat. And since I know you're not trying to, I don't know why I'm supposed to have more confidence that you're going to do it. And if, if you know, if, if Joe Barry needs to put him in a better situation, see, well, you knew that coming into the last game. It's just one week, but I'm just freaking tired of it. I don't want to hear it. I understand he's obligated to come up here and give some kind of an answer, but it's all just bullcrap to me. Because I've heard it so many times. We've been told so much. Everything, like when Mike Pettin came in, oh, they loved him. And he's just a, oh, uh, and he's going to be on the sideline and he's bald and he's mean looking. Oh, yeah. That sucked. I mean, now in hindsight, I kind of miss him a little bit, but it didn't work. And then Joe Barry comes. He's like a different guy. He's like full energy. Like he's the kind of guy everybody loves. They love his energy. He's a cool guy. And then after like a year, it seems like everybody hated him and Jair hated him. And like, okay, well, but he's still like a cool guy and he's fun and he's energetic. And he's like a really smart, like, uh, I don't know if he really is, but he, he like knows the scheme that we want to do. Like, all right, cool. We're going to be on the cutting edge. And then year one didn't work. And then year two basically seemed like Joe Barry's like, I don't know. What do you guys want to do? And then it's like, okay, we're going to do it my way. That didn't work. And then everybody's pissed at me. Okay, let's do it your way. Well, that way sucks also. So can we go back to doing it my way? Sure. Okay. Well, that doesn't work either. <laughs> Disaster. Why does Joe Barry remind me of George Bush? There's something about the way he looks and his demeanor when he talks. You know, he does that little, like, head bobbing thing where the head kind of goes down and forward. You know? Just reminds me of George Bush. Anyways, here's Joe Barry talking specifically about your run defense. And the question was essentially, was this sort of a one-off because of the way that they play? Like, the, the Falcons scheme and we, we shouldn't really panic unless we face the Falcons in the playoffs or something? Or any team that can do what they can do, which is probably several? Or do you have, like, concerns moving forward? Like, did, did the Falcons kind of expose you a little bit? No, I mean, I think, uh, bottom line, we got to do a lot of things better. Um, but mm. I do think I will, I, those guys do a really good job at what they do. They're committed to the run. Um, you know, they were with a with a young under uh, late drafted rookie last year you know I think they were a top five rush defense and they took the back that they have that they took in the first round very good player um, but no I, I think we gotta we gotta play things a lot better um, and back to what I was saying in a situation like that when you have opportunities to get off the field you got to cash in on those opportunities whether it be winning on third down whether it be uh, takeaway opportunities. When you have those, you've got to cash in because if you let an offense like that that runs the ball consistently continue to get, you know, second chances, it's going to be bad. And it was. So, but. Hate everything about the answer. Absolutely everything. Number one, did you get exposed? No, no, we didn't get exposed. Um, look, the Falcons are just good at what they do. And, and we weren't and we have to be better. Okay, that doesn't help me those two things don't really go together, right? So you're saying, no, there, there really isn't a reason to believe that this will continue. Everything's going to be fine. Okay, explain that to me. Well, we're not very good at stopping the run. Oh, okay. Thanks for clearing that up. So I shouldn't worry about this because you're bad at it, but I'm guessing you watched the tape or something. The other thing I hate is, again, the lame excuse of the turnovers. Hey, we shouldn't have had to face that because we should have just got a pick. Bro, you're not going to be gifted pick sixes against teams that run the ball. That's not, again, that's that's looking backward and saying, well, we, well, we, it could have been a little different if we got a pick there. That at least two of those drives wouldn't have embarrassed us. That doesn't address the question. I mean, unless your defensive strategy is bleed all the way down the field and give up points and just hope that they throw a, a ball into our linebacker's chest once in a while, unless that's your strategy, that's a stupid answer. We don't need pick sixes. We shouldn't have to rely on interceptions or fumbles. Which, by the way, you did get a turnover in that game. The offense couldn't do anything with it, and it still didn't help your defense, did it? How does that help your defense stop these 17-play drives that end in scores? You know, like the ones that don't, unless you're expecting a pick on every drive? Like, what are we talking about? 
Granted, like, I get that. Okay, great. Yeah, you got hit in the chest, you got to catch it. Great. That's not the question. You suck at stopping the run. Is that going to get fixed or not? Well, yeah, it'll get fixed if we get interceptions. Nope, not the question. Can you stop the run? Well, I mean, the Falcons are just really good at it. So, okay, great. Whatever. I mean, can you stop it or not? Well, we got to be better. You know, we, we got to be better. We got to watch the tape. We got to, we got to, we got to be better. Okay. So it sounds like the answer is no. And you're hoping that your corners are just going to bail you out. I mean, the, the, the whole defensive mindset apparently seems to be, please, good Lord, pass the ball. Please, God in heaven above, make them throw the ball. Because our whole thing is based on get the quarterback, cover and get the quarterback. Cover and get the quarterback. If they run the ball, what do we do? I don't know. Cover? Nope. What are you going to do? I Get the quarterback? I, I, what, uh-huh. Interception? Or, uh, what's the question? What are you going to do to stop teams from running the ball? No answer. Picks. That's how. Interceptions. Okay. Right. Anyways, let's end with this on a little bit of a higher note. Again, the offense seems to be on a high. The defense seems to be on a little bit of a low, understandably. And again, I think the defense will rebound. They freaking better because this offense was tailor-made for them. Uh, But here is Jaden Reed talking about uh, Jordan Love. Young Man... I couldn't tell you because I wasn't here for that long, but you know, for me being here, it just it just seemed like he's been here before. You know, it just I just get that feel from him. Like his confidence level is at a at an all time high. You know, he never get too high, never get too low, and just you know, he helped everybody believe in each other. So, so I, I you know, it's kind of like last year when you know we love when Rodgers would talk about uh, Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs. It was always cool to just hear people talk about some of these guys that you don't really know much about. It's been a lot of fun listening to these guys talk. It's funny because we're talking to a rookie, asking him for insights into our quarterback who's been here for a long time. Like, what's he like? <laughs> but it but it is cool because we we don't know the guy. And um, I think the end of that was my favorite part when um, he talked about how he just helps everybody believe in themselves and believe in each other because we're seeing it, right? And so according to Jaden Reed, although I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it, he is a main major driving force in this optimism and belief and this excitement in the offense. And, you know, we had conversations before about leadership. And and I always said, I, you know, I'm sure people didn't like when I said it, but I was not a fan of Aaron Rodgers' leadership style, especially down the stretch. Maybe early on he was great, I don't know. But down the stretch, it really just was, I'm going to lead by example, which means I'm not going to do anything except do my own job and expect you to do yours. And as I said, lead by example is a, is a cop-out nonsense thing. It's not a real thing. It's not leadership. You're not leading. You're just doing your job. But inspiring confidence in a locker room, that's a sign of, of um, a great leader. And I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting because he seems real quiet. I'm sure he talks to the guys. You know what I mean? Like we, we, he doesn't talk to, to uh, say to us, but you know, the, the media quite so much. He's pretty soft-spoken, but they're in the locker room together, and I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's doing. But these guys are riding on a high, and they are super excited about Jordan Love. They they love Matt Lafleur. They think he's a wizard genius. So whether any of those things are true, whether there's any reason for optimism, I don't know. But you know, when you've got young guys coming in, they're moldable, and how they end up, what what they end up believing and not believing is is your responsibility. And if you got guys coming in and they don't believe, and they gotta got their head down and they're not trying or whatever, I mean, that's you know, some guys are just kind of bad apples or whatever the case may be. But this is this is a great opportunity when you have guys coming in like this, and it sounds like they're doing a great job of just creating a great culture. And I love hearing everybody talk about Jordan Love. It's really good to hear because it's not just words; you see it. Because I mean, you ask anybody about anybody, they're gonna be polite. Oh, he's great, you know, he's such a great dude, and we love him. But when when the words meet the action. When you see a guy smiling from ear to ear and his eyes light up and he's genuinely excited to be there and he's happy. And then he's asked about a player and he's, oh man, yeah, he's that, 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 And he said, you know, he talks about how he inspires us to believe. And then you see that belief. I have no reason to doubt that because I'm seeing it. Uh, later on, he was asked about, I mean, he, everybody's passing around the clip that you've probably seen, maybe not. He, he mentioned, uh, the guys came back into the building with their piss hot after the game. Um, it's not that interesting other than he obviously got that from Matt LaFleur and he confirmed that, which is kind of funny. And again, 
young and impressionable, right? They're they're using his catchphrases already. Anyways, this question was about or comment was about his two touchdowns and you know you're humble and all that and it's a team sport, but that's got to feel good. So here he is talking about his two touchdowns. It feels good. It's a blessing, you know, more than anything, you know. Um, I didn't have to be here, you know. Uh, so um, God blessed me. He put me in this position. Uh, this organization believed in me. So it's a lot of things that fell in place for me to even be there, you know, have the opportunity to, you know, make those kind of plays like that. So I'm just thankful and grateful for the opportunity that I have. And, you know, God blessing me because, you know, I've been through a lot of my life. Everybody's been through a lot in their life, but it's all about, you know, going through adversity and, you know, just sticking with the plan. So. You know, great answer. And again, you, at least I keep forgetting, you know, some of the stuff that these guys have been through and just how the, the, the potential, at least for them to, to bond over these things and, and to have such a humble attitude to, you know, come from something traumatic and, and difficult to battle and then to, to be where he is now. Um, it's great. And, it, you know, I haven't heard much from Jaden Reed. So it's kind of cool to hear from him, and it, it makes sense. I mean, that's this is what the Packers target, man. They they it would it would be weird if somebody did an interview and they kind of seemed a little slimy or a little abrasive or whatever, because it's like I don't know. Packers just get guys that you feel like you could just go hang out with, you know, like just listening to him is like, dude, I have that guy over for a Packer party for sure, and he'd probably say yes because he's just a cool guy. I mean, he wouldn't, but plus he plays for the Packers. But I'm just saying, he just seems like a normal dude that if you went to a Packer game. To meet up with a buddy, he's like, "Hey, is my my buddy Jaden?" Like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Like, it, it doesn't seem just seems like a laid back guy. I mean, Christian Watson seems that way. Romeo's pretty quiet, but not like arrogant or rude or anything. He's just really quiet. So this is my favorite. We'll end with this. This is my favorite quote. Um, the reporter asked him, basically saying, "Hey, through two weeks, uh, you're a young team. You are the second highest scoring offense. So what do you think about that?" Man, I really, I really just think it's scary. You know, all our pieces not even been put together. We haven't even had uh, a full week with everybody out there. Uh, really young. Obviously, we're the youngest, you know, group in the NFL, in my opinion. So, uh, my opinion. man, I just think it'll get scary once all the pieces get put together. Yeah, Jaden. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Speaking of a guy who's not young, Aaron Jones returned to the practice field yesterday. Yeah, no doubt. Today. What would it mean to have him back on Sunday? Man, that would be great. You know, it's always good having a guy like Aaron Jones out there. He brings a lot of great energy, you know. Um, he builds a lot of people's confidence before the game. You know, he comes up to me. He comes up to everybody in the huddle. You know, just all positivity. You know, it's always good having that, that piece of the puzzle, you know, with the team. So um, that would be great having him back out there on Sunday. How much could you – Yeah. I just – figure why not throw in a little piece about Aaron Jones I love that though I mean it, it may not materialize but why 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 not you know we talk about it in the offseason like why not just have optimism you don't know it could be good it could be bad you look at the range right we just build out a realistic range right I think a realistic high end would be this a realistic bad result would be this okay we've established that so now I'm going to go hang out on the high end because nothing's going to happen for a while, so I might as well hang out. Look, we got time until week three. I don't know what this team is. This team could be a freaking disaster. You know, we beat the Bears and all oh, the Bears. Look at the Bears. And then we played the Falcons who were terrible last year and we lost. This team might suck. I don't know. This team might also be awesome with Watson and Jones returning. I'm not saying necessarily this week. I'm just talking about like he's talking about. Back to full health. David Bakhtiari back. Let's, let's say week eight. Now, Probably going to be a pile of injuries on top of that. But let's just say week eight, Bakhtiari's back. Elton Jenkins is back. Aaron Jones is back. Christian Watson is back. And all these guys have been playing for several weeks now. Miami, quick, explosive players. Same offensive system. Number one offense in football right now. Matt LaFleur, quick offensive players. Not quite Miami quick, but real quick. Real young, real athletic. Same offensive scheme and system. Another really smart play caller. Why can't they be a top offense? Why not? If Matt LaFleur can get really athletic playmakers open and Jordan Love's able to get him the ball, why can't they do things? And if the offensive line is back healthy, we know that they can do things, especially with Aaron Jones. Even with A.J. Dillon, as much as everybody's really down on A.J. Dillon, and it certainly seems like things are not great right now, if the offensive line starts doing better, we know he can do better, and we can have a, a competent rushing attack. Why not? Why not? Why not just live there? We are the number two scoring offense in football. So guess what? Up until Sunday, we are the second best offense. And there's nothing anybody can say about that. And I'll, I'll tell you this right now. If this offense, let me look at my scores real quick, and then we'll get out of here. 
The expectation, according to what I have up here, is about 22 to 23 points. That is the expectation. If they put up 24, 25, 26, or more, I don't care if we lose. I'm about to be insufferable in my gloating about this offense, right? Screw the year, screw the season, don't care, defense sucks, yeah, whatever. Go study tape, learn to tackle, blah, 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 go ahead and do your thing, I don't care. I'm about to get loud. Because right now I've been, you know, you know, it's, it's second highest scoring offense, but you know, is it really, you know? <laughs> Just saying, if you don't like the Packers, if you're not a fan of Matt LaFleur or Jordan Love or whatever the case may be, if you're one of those anti-Packer Packer fans, pray that Green Bay gets 22 or less points. In fact, just pray that they get 15 or less, because then it'll be like a crash down to earth. More than that, I'm talking. And why not? Why, 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 why? Hey, you know what? We're going to blow out the, the freaking Saints. They'll be lucky to get to 15, and I'm pushing. We're going to get to eh, 28-30. Why not? Is that a real prediction? No, it's not. But again, you know, we'll, we'll look at data. We'll look at information. But in terms of like where we're living mentally and emotionally, look at the positives and just go live there. Same with Jordan Love. Like, highest EPA per play in football, lowest CPOE in, uh, per play in football. Which one is it? Maybe it's in the middle. Maybe, maybe he's the number one quarterback in football. Boom, that's where I'm going to sit. I got nothing. I got nothing till Sunday. I can. It can be whatever I want it to be for now, until proven otherwise. I'm just saying, allow yourself to be happy with the good news. I think a lot of us are, are pessimistic to try to protect ourselves. Oh, he's probably going to suck. He, he's not going to maintain. He's not going to be able to do that. All right. He got three touchdowns in the first game and no interceptions. Yeah, he has the Bears though. He's not going to do it again. He does it three times. Well, one of those was a pop pass. Doesn't count. Okay. You know what? You're trying not to be happy. Right? Okay, excuse me. He led three scoring drives that ended in a touchdown and passed for two of them. One of them was not really a pass, but he still led the entire freaking drive all the way down the field, all right? So shove it. My goodness.